Hey, thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. If you like this episode, please follow us and tell one of your colleagues about the interview you're about to hear or have heard in the past. We hope you enjoy our conversations and that you'll listen to others in our library. If you have any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions, please reach out. We'll do our best to incorporate them. Thanks again. Our next guest is one of the founding principles of Relativity Architects, Tima Bell. His path to architecture, like everyone's perhaps, is not a usual one, and it is rich in experience in art, creativity, and an upbringing around Hollywood that has given him a unique perspective on the industry his firm serves today. Relativity is today very well known for its studio design, but as you'll see from our conversation, Tima has taken great pride in helping build affordable housing and a very special hotel renovation at his hometown of Venice Beach. Here is our conversation. Tima, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing all right. Nice to talk to you. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Where do we find you today? Where Where are you? I am in uh, downtown Los Angeles in our office in the Arts District. Uh, it is not okay. currently raining, but it has been, um, but that that's... That's uh, that, that's our joy is to come downtown and be a part of the culture down here. So excellent, excellent. And 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 how do you find it? Do you find it you know busy? Uh, are people back? Is it you know uh, as busy as it used to be? Or that's a great a great question. Um, you know, obviously the whole uh, occupying an office has been upended. So in the architecture world, we're, we're we have a pretty decent situation. We're flexible. We've got some remote days and. We have some mandatory office days, so we're being flexible there. And as far as the community down here, um, it it's interesting. There's a lot more people on the sidewalks uh, kind of walking to and from either shared workspaces, their loft apartments, which has generated a whole world of food and beverage uh, places as well, bars and restaurants. So I would say downtown has become quite active. Whether everyone's working or not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, well, they have somebody to answer to, I guess. So we'll yeah. we'll let them figure that out, yeah, right? They're paying their bills. Um, exactly. Exactly. Well, Tima, um, it's a it's a pleasure speaking with you. Um, I ask all of my guests to kind of do a little bit of an intro and you know tell us a little bit about you know what they do and how they got to where they are. So. You know, here's here's your chance. Tell us a little bit about you know you know your company and your path to sort of this this point. Sure thing. Uh, my name is Tima Bell. I, I, you introduced me. Um, I am a principal and founder, along with my partner Scott Sullivan, of uh, Relativity Architects. We are an architecture firm in uh, Los Angeles, California. Um, we have been in business for about nine years, and in those nine years, we have grown exponentially. Uh, we are currently sitting at somewhere around 50 employees, and we have anywhere from 100 to 150 projects in the office at various stages at any given time. Wow, okay. Yeah, really exciting stuff. Uh, my, my background, I was a painter. Uh, I studied in uh, Rice University and for a, a fine arts degree, and then also studied overseas in, uh, in um, France. And I uh, got my master's from SciArc, where I actually met my current partner, Scott Sullivan. He's uh, the same time year as me. And we actually started a business way back then that lasted about six years, where we did design build. where We built everything we designed. Um, after that, we, uh, we went our separate ways for a while. He went into high-end custom homes with uh, various firms like Marmor Radzinger. 
And I kept running my own business and actually started a furniture company and did design build all the way up until we uh, reconvened again, like I said, about nine years ago and started this venture, um, both both much to the wiser uh, from our design build years. Um, yeah. And uh, and it has been an incredible ride the last nine years watching a company. I, I don't think up until we started Relativity, I'd never had more than two or three employees. Um, the average job size was probably somewhere under two million. Um, and, you know, it was a small practice. Uh, I was able to build things. I did a lot of furniture, um, very involved in both the architecture and the interior. But Relativity now has become something different. Uh, we're doing much, much larger projects globally, nationwide, uh, and and it, it is very exciting to be at the helm of of a, of a ship like this. Do Do you find that surprising? I mean, yes and no. I, I, if you would have asked me, and my, and I mean, I know you're a hard worker, so I'm not <laughs> going to say like, you know, are yeah. you surprised that I, I want to say yes and no? Is yeah, because yeah. The, the 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 professors at SciArc alerted us early on that. Success doesn't come to an architect un until they've been practicing for at least 15 to 20 years. And in my brash, young vibrancy, I said, you're ridiculous. I'm going to be successful immediately. And, and that didn't happen. And here we are 20 plus years later, and, and, uh, and we're recognizing success. And success not on a star architect level, but success in the field of architecture. Um, having a firm that, that uh, can not only grow, but maintain its position in the industry, which is, which is, you know, difficult. Um, so am I surprised? Yes. I am surprised that this has, uh, that we are been as successful as we are only because of my previous experience in the world of architecture, but timing wise and ambition wise and hard work wise. No, I'm not surprised yeah. because this is what I had envisioned for my career all along. Yeah. Now, Back to, uh, you know, our conversations sort of before this call, but you talked a little bit about, you know, what the firm does and some of your areas of expertise, which I think some are a little surprising, <laughs> right? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Like, what does the company do? Like, where is your area of, you know, specialty? Sure. And and maybe, you know, how did that evolve and how, how did you get there? Sure. So um, it, it's a bit of a long answer. I'll, I'll keep it reasonably brief. Um, I think... I, I, my background up until the time we started, started Relativity Architects was in hospitality and uh, single-family residence. Um, Scott, my partner as well, uh, hospitality, single-family residence, some retail. Um, as we convened uh, and began Relativity, um, uh, we, had, we had a wonderful uh, commission to do a motion picture studio for Siren Studios which was a, a reasonably sized project. I want to say seven plus million dollar budget for uh, a, a niche market that was not very um, well known at the time. And we were quite successful. Uh, our studio built at the time was the most state of the art. Uh, it, was, it was wanted. It wasn't as large as some of the others, but for what it offered uh, as its size, it was very well respected and and additionally, at the same time, my partner and I had a discussion and we said, look, 2008, because 2008 financially hurt us both considerably. And we didn't ever want to be in a position again where 2008 um, could submarine us. So we said, aside from the motion picture industry, what other counter cyclical business or, or, or typology out there would be uh, supportive of an architecture firm? And we landed on affordable housing. And through some correct connections of friends um, and an engagement with a 
firm that was uh, moving into semi-retirement, uh, Hatch Colaswano, we started working on affordable housing. And, and that now, uh, the affordable housing and uh, studio design has become the foundation of our firm and that allows okay. us to explore all these other typologies uh, that, we, that we know how to do but may not be quite as fluid uh, cyclically uh, through, f- through the years. Right. Are you consciously then focusing in these areas um, or these sort of happen to be kind of busy areas for you, but you're obviously open to other stuff as well? Because as you said, you're looking for sort of counter cyclical work and that, you know, can be unpredictable as well, right? Well, what's interesting is that counter cyclical work, the ones we focus on, motion picture studio industry and affordable housing, they're niche markets. Uh, They're not they're not very big. Uh, the players in them that you can you can you, you you know everybody in a very short period of time, and so the importance of keeping a good reputation in that typology, which is what we have, has kept us going uh, for uh, basically from the inception of our business until where we are now. We are we've completed over five thousand units of affordable housing. Uh, we have completed one, two, three, four studios and are in construction on four more major uh, campuses. Uh, and we have three more in development. So I'm not worried about the foundation. Uh, but what it has done is it has afforded us the ability to go after projects which we love. Retail, uh, um, uh, restaurant, hotel, um, even tech offices. Although, again, after the pandemic, offices are no longer really in demand. So um, those are the areas that we start to focus on outside of our um, outside of our studio and housing work. And it's been wonderful because everything feeds everything uh, through an aesthetic or an understanding of architecture. And and uh, your word cautious, I would say, no, we are not cautious. (laughs) That's not my partner and I are just not cautious about we we put our nose down and go. And uh, a lot of times that, that's the difference between us and, and maybe another firm that tried to hit the same stride but, but couldn't keep up. What do you think differentiates you guys to be able to work with, you know, affordable housing developers, studio folks, you know, retail, you know, developers, um, very different sort of angles, right? Sure. Um, how does the firm distinguish itself? That's a wonderful question. I mean, we're, we're spearheaded by my partner, Scott, myself, and our studio director, Jenna Nguyen. Um, we all have very distinct personalities, but we all are incredibly supportive. To answer your question directly, we we really care about our clients. Um, they are not a means to an end. Uh, we bend over backwards to make sure that their project is a priority, even as we have to prioritize all projects in a way. And we convey that throughout our firm, um, that we are are there to make these things successful. Uh, we are there to, to move these projects forwards, make them successful in whatever avenue they need to be successful, whether it's aesthetic, production, you know, operations, all those elements are covered by us throughout the process. And, and often enough, it's just imparting that to our staff that, that every project is important in the office, no matter how small, no matter how big. And uh, I think the clients can sense that. Uh, a lot of relationships between architect and, and, uh, and client, even at the $100 million level, are, are trust, trust issues. You know, you have, they have to believe that we have their best interest at heart in designing their building. Uh, and and moving it forward through construction, and when you have that with a client, you can you move towards success. Yeah, 
that's outward looking. What about inward looking? Uh, are there things within your organization that are you know different, unique yes. that, that you think make you you know special and you know interesting? You know, I, I have a little. Um, I've never worked for another architect, so I, I'm not one to claim what another office is or is not like. My partner has, and so sometimes I fall on his uh, uh, recollections. But I know that that, and and he agrees with me on this ethos is that we want a firm that grows architects. So we bring people in and we grow them from drafters into full fledged architects. We throw them into the fire and make them learn. We do not micromanage time. We do not micromanage work. Uh, we are very um, detail-oriented, and we spend a lot of time mentoring and teaching and collaborating, and we demand that up and down through the office, from the highest position down to the lowest. You take the time to discuss and teach and learn uh, uh, architecture together. And that collaborative effort, along with the multitude of typologies, has given our staff uh, and people that work within our field a really, they enjoy it. They enjoy architecture, which is why we all started. Nobody gets into architecture because they feel, you know, de uh, like driven by some financial means or their parents. This is this is right. a joy field. You have to have a passion. Right. And we work hard to stoke the fires of that passion through collaboration and mentorship and uh and and you know allowing moments to fail as long as the, the understanding that the teaching needs to stick once once it gets rectified um that and important to note especially now we make sure there's a work-life balance um my partner and i both have children we want to spend time with our families uh we are not interested in the 90-hour work week that architects used to produce uh at the expense of our families um and we don't want our staff to do that either so between the collaborative element, uh, the multitude of typologies, the mentoring, and the work-life balance, I've been told by our employees that the culture we have is like no other office out there. And, you know, rel realistically, our turnover, which sits at around, I want to say, 3 to 5% annually, reflects that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very commendable. Yeah. Thank you. Um Let's shift gears a little bit towards one of the industries that you guys cover um, very closely, and this is the you know motion picture studio design work, right? Um, so the last few, the last couple of years, certainly you know since COVID, um, entertainment has exploded, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a oh, yeah. you know, ton of content, whether it's you know whether it's uh, on your phone or on on your device in your in your in your in your TV or um, elsewhere. Um, is has your business grown um, also because of that? Um, have you noticed that simply just you know with 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 more attention to this industry, um, you know the work of the people who work inside studios has also evolved too, right? It's not just a big box, but there are some unique things to it. And maybe without sort of you know giving us your secrets, but tell us a little bit about sort of you know what's unique and interesting about that space. And and how you've managed to um, get to the you know place where you are now? Sure. Uh, as I said, it was a niche market, and building the studio Siren Studios at the time that we did was was wonderful. Um, and it was interesting because it was pre-pandemic, and once we completed that studio, we actually had uh, were in the market to build quite a few more, but no one would pull the trigger. And ultimately, when the pandemic hit and commercial office dried up capital needed a place to put their money and all of a sudden that niche market exploded and we were right at the front of that explosion so 
that definitely played a lot into our hand as being a master of that typology. But there goes a lot deeper than that. I'm a Los I'm an Angelino, grew up in Venice. My father was an actor. My stepmother was a famous movie star. I have been in and around sets and, and motion pictures and TV filming my whole life. Um, I have a unique understanding about how, how uh, the what is done on set and how these things operate. Additionally, my partner and I invested in a management company so that we could uh, stay in touch firsthand with the required um, uh, elements of, of operations in a okay. studios. And, and that assisted us with a lot of design forethought that most other architects probably don't have. They get one or two conversations and try and figure it out. Whereas we are literally a phone call away from a, uh, a campus manager and we can say, hey, what do you do about this? What happens when this happens? Where do these people need to go? And get immediate answers to those questions to be able to assist our clients. Um, the second part of that is we are voracious for knowledge. So the new LED screens, um, all of the sort of new technology from the time that we began Siren to now, we stay on top of it. Uh, we bring in consultants. We go out to other other studios we have a really wonderful relationships with our clients and other studios and our management teams that we stay just right on top of everything that's happening. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, the key aspect to understand about a studio is that it is not an office. It is a factory. And factories are dependent on efficiency. A studio produces, as a factory, content. The efficiency of producing that content is what we as architects design into the into the building. If, yeah. if that's understood and you understand all the facets that make something efficient as far as the studio, that's what makes us successful with our design. Is the location um, becoming an issue? Um, are studios evolving in other markets? Um, I, I imagine to some degree, yes. Um, and does that help you kind of, you know, carry those, you know, partnerships, you know, Absolutely. knowledge to other other markets as well? Yeah, that is, is what is generating our expansion. We're looking to actually open an office in the European Union next year, uh, primarily to assist uh, some of our partners with their conceptual studio design or schematic design for studios. Um, there are a lot of architects out there that, that know how to build a concrete box, but not necessarily how to make them efficient for producing content. And, um, and that, and as far as in Los Angeles, there's not enough studio space to hold the content. Um, there's been talk that, that will, will essentially reach that limit in about three more years. I'm dubious. I just believe that content is ever growing and ever expanding and the ways in which we make content is ever growing and ever expanding. And even if we're done building these big boxes, the adjustment of the boxes to allow for the different types of productions will always be engaged. So I think that the studio business in Los Angeles is, is essentially here to stay. The other markets have become available because in competition with Los Angeles, they are offering substantial tax credits to productions. And those tax sure. credits are lucrative to a production that might cost $30 million in Los Angeles for it to suddenly cost 22 in Winnipeg, then it may make sense to go to Winnipeg and shoot. Now there's tons of logistics involved and I don't, as an architect, I don't get involved with all of the background, but I can say that 
the Los Angeles market has been very fruitful to us uh, as far as this motion picture studio. Like I said, we're building a number of campuses, but we are getting contacted worldwide for our knowledge on studios around, you know, everywhere, Dubai, uh, Canada, um, uh, Croatia, Puerto Rico, all around the world. Yeah, fascinating, fascinating. Let me switch gears and go to affordable housing. <laughs> so housing has been one of these um, you know, sectors of the market that hasn't stopped. I mean, during COVID, uh, construction on housing you know, continued. I know there was a little bit of a challenge in terms of funding some affordable housing projects and just housing in you know, general. Certain markets you know, are harder to build than you know, others. But housing, you know, we don't have enough of it, right? Um, so that seems to be an area where you will continue to be busy, it sounds like, right? Yeah. Tell, us a, a, no, tell us a little bit about that. You know, how does, how does that, you know, how does your knowledge of that dis, dis, distinguish you in, 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 in that sector specifically? Well, we, we, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the inception of Relativity, we joined with a firm called Hatch Colaswano, and they had 35 years of affordable housing experience as they were moving into retirement. And uh, they basically took us under their wing and gave us an enormous amount of guidance on how to move through affordable housing. And, and you know, us being as voracious as we are for information, we ate it all up and then some. Uh, affordable housing is interesting. There are many different ways. There's ground up housing um, for many different va- uh, levels of economic. Uh, there are permanent supportive for the chronically homeless and there's mixed middle for people working at Facebook that don't make as much money as everybody else. So there's a number of of sectors that we can get involved in. And what's interesting is, is that um, one of our other typologies, hospitality actually feeds into the understanding of affordable housing. I mean, you're creating these spaces for people who normally wouldn't have the means to live there to have an experience and, and growth that, that is hard to come by. And so enhancing that and making them understand that they have sense of place, sense of ownership, uh, uh, a sense of community, putting all of that information into the, into the design of these, of, these, of these spaces is fantastic. That and we are masters of all the paperwork and, and, uh, and, and government actions that are required in order to move affordable housing forward. Um, it is, it is, you know, just designing the building is, is in some ways the easy part or the fun part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, trying to manage the, the, you know, seven different government, um, uh, observations and, and, uh, and various levels of funding and, and sort of appeasing them all in the process. That's where the difficulty comes in. But again, as Scott and I and, and Jenna and, and our, and our upper management team, we are very outgoing and, and, uh, and and we want to work with people, and that sometimes goes a long way to making these things successful. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you an opportunity to your horn a little bit here. <laughs> I w- I'd love to hear if there are any projects that you have done that you're particularly proud of in this in this space. Sure. We, we, um, well, we just completed one uh, called 7th and Whitmer in downtown Los Angeles that received an LA Business Council Award yesterday, as a matter of fact. So I wanted to make okay. that one first. Okay. Congratulations. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, 65 or 75 units of for housing permanent supportive for the chronically homeless. The client was there and, and it's been about a year since we finished the building and we had a conversation about what how it was operating and she said, it's fantastic. The people use all of it, which is the important part is that there's not some sort of unused portion that I had an ego stroke on and then it ends up nothing happens. If every part of the building is being used, then we did it right. And, uh, and then the second project I'd like to mention is an absolutely gorgeous project out in Lancaster called Imagine Village. 
um, and it was completed for uh, Abode and Penny Lane, which are two affordable housing developers. And it is sort of a, it's a three-story building. Uh, it is for homeless, uh, formerly homeless veterans and families. And the interesting part of that was, A, the weather out there is high desert weather. So it's super hot, super cold, very windy, and at times gorgeous. And so we needed to arrange the building and design it in a fashion that supported all of those elements. And so aesthetically, there's some uh, uh, what we call slats that, that wrap the building on the sun side to diffuse the light. There are hidden courtyards to reduce wind flow, tons of landscaping, and, uh, and, and areas for the, the families to view their children. And an important separation, the, the veterans have their own space that is not disturbed by kids or families that they can go and, and, uh, and maybe have some discussions or reflections that are important to them. Um, uh, additionally, um, we, you know, we are on budget and it's completed. And again, talking to the client, they have nothing but wonderful things to say about how people are using the space and enjoying the, the, the building. Yeah. Yeah. And you've also done, when we chatted, you also mentioned a, you know, hotel project you completed in your, in your, in your hometown. Uh, you know, tell us about that and sort of how that's evolved, uh, you know, also for you guys. Yeah. I mean, with the hospitality background that I came in with, we still, up until the pandemic, we were doing anywhere from three to five restaurants a year. They are not financial motivators for the firm, but they are so beautiful and we love being a part of people who are starting an entrepreneurship. We feed into that and enjoy that kind of fervent um, approach to a project. And this project came across our table, which is a 36-room boutique hotel in Venice Beach, California. And that is my hometown. Uh, I'm still living there. I have five decades in that, in that uh, or I'm beginning my fifth uh, decade in, in that um in that uh, hometown area, that beachside community. And the client came to me and he basically said, take it away. It's yours. And I was able to impart all of my experiences, the seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, and on into that hotel and into those rooms and to that lobby to the point uh, where I literally chose the books that went on the coffee tables. Uh, Okay. (laughs) um, There is just such a beauty about Venice Beach. There's such a freedom. Being able to to put all of that information into into a project that that I've accumulated over time and the love that I have for my community has been fantastic. And my favorite part is reading the reviews and uh, the customer reviews and the online reviews and all of them mention what I tried to do, which is create create a, a, a room that felt like an apartment in Venice. And, and, and all of the reviews indicate this feels like you belong here. When you stay in this hotel, you feel like you're a resident rather than a visitor. And that, yeah. that's just a, such a fantastic um, a quote by, by, by some of these journalists that really makes me I, – I nailed it uh, on that one. And I'm really, really proud of it. Uh, yeah, it's called the Venice V Hotel. Yeah, th- that was going to be my follow-up question. Will the guests sort of see the amount of detail that sort of went into it, yeah. you know, done by somebody who's from there, kind of like, you know, lives there, right? Lives and breathes Venice, if you will, right? So, so it sounds I, I, again, like that. I don't know if they'll recognize that the designer lived and breathed in Venice, but they'll recognize that their unit, their room feels like Venice. Uh, we have sure. three different sure, styles. Sure. We have like a bohemian style, an artist style, and a Dogtown skater style. I brought in artists from my childhood, photographers, graphic artists, graffiti artists, 
Uh, we got custom skateboards for the hotel that you can take off the wall and buy and ride around. Um, I did a designed a, um, uh, a, a mural in the lobby out of 4,500 skate wheels uh, to depict okay. Abbott Kinney, the founder of Venice. I mean, there's so much personal detail in that hotel from my design experience. And again, I worked with an amazing team. I worked with interior decorators, uh, broadside studios. I worked with my whole staff here at Relativity. But uh, we had a, a brand uh, concept from uh, Mystery Inc., which is a design firm. But ultimately, it was me going there daily and, and making sure that every piece in there felt like, felt like home to me. Yeah, yeah. During these years, has there been another sort of sector or another sort of part of the design world that you, you know, have engaged in and that, you know, surprised you? Oh, good question. Um, we recently won an interior or we recently were featured in interior design magazine uh, online and, uh, found out after that feature that they have nominated us for, uh, a best of the year award, which is really exciting. Uh, it is an interior design that, or, uh, yeah, interior design architecture we did for fear of God, which is a high end clothing fashion brand for their showroom and workspace. And, Without even thinking about it, we kind of look back at our career and we realize that we have done probably three or four major fashion houses without even knowing it. Uh, it's just sometimes how clients come across our desk and we're so focused on the work that we don't think about sort of the, the amalgamation of, of all the different typologies. We just got to get through the project and make it amazing and then on to the next project. And uh, with this one catching an award uh, and, and a feature in, in a major magazine, we stopped and took a breath and realized, whoa, this may be another typology or another feather in our cap doing uh, fashion showrooms and fashion workspaces. And actually, we got a major commission from another major industry leader directly off of that article. So that was that was pretty exciting. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So Tima, um, as you kind of look back at your career and your experience i mean it's certainly you know unique in many ways i mean you've 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 done some interesting things that are uh, you know not related to architecture but then this is where you found your home right um you know you're also able to you know span different sort of sectors with with ease it seems like right uh, i think part of that comes from your personality i mean that's obvious in in this interview also right um but you know is is there anything kind of about your experience that you think would be, you know, useful to people trying to get into this business, trying to sort of learn from kind of what you guys do, how to be better at it? Oh, it's a great question. Um, look, just, you have to hold on to the passion. That's number one. If you're not passionate about being an architect or an interior designer, it's, it's not worth it. It's just too much, too hard. That's number one. Number two, uh, retention you need to retain your information so that you can use it again and again and again and again. And it is constant retention. And it is not just retention. Well, it's retention. Let's just say that. The reason I'm saying it's not just retention of architectural or design experiences is because the third one is experience. You need to have experiences to feed into your work. If you want to be a successful design architect, you need to have traveled. You need to have... Um, engaged in things that you're uncomfortable with you need to push your boundaries and the experiences that result from that will feed your design sensibilities and with the retention of creation 
of knowledge, of understanding how things are put together, what codes to follow, how to deal with contractors. All of that blends into a, a, uh, a formative experience of an architect. So if you're young and trying to get into the field, experience as much as you can, retain everything, and don't give up on your passion, for sure. And the flip sort of portion of that question would be sort of, you know, you know, towards you specifically, what would you tell your younger self, you know, having gone through this process, right? What you know now that you think would have been useful for you to know back then? You should have become, I should have become an actor because I would have made a lot more money. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Uh, honestly, I, I don't think, I think it would have been to try and go after larger projects earlier. I found a comfort zone in my career early on uh, with these smaller restaurant uh, designs where I could do maybe four or five a year along with an addition or, or a small retail work. And it would make me enough money to feel very comfortable. Um, and so I was able to, to branch off into other things that I enjoyed, painting, furniture, which I don't regret at all. But the level I'm at now, if I could have achieved this maybe 10 years earlier, uh, would have made a big, bigger difference in my life. So I would say... Don't 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 limit yourself to what you're comfortable with as far as the size and scope. Uh, give yourself the ability to go after things that are much larger than than you're uh, ready to handle because you'll find a way to do it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm also curious. I mean, the the advice that you gave about you know being able to experience and retain a lot of things. Sure. If ten years ago you were the same person you are today, right? Maybe the reason you are successful today is because of all of those experiences that kind of led you to that, I, I to that point too. Argue that logic, but you did ask me what I would what I would tell my. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, Timo, as my final question, uh, what's next for the firm? Um, what What do you look forward to? You know, in the next five, ten years. Uh, well, it, I mean, growth. Uh, we, you know, with the with the base of our affordable housing and. Um, Motion Picture Studios, we're looking to increase those. Uh, we are opening an office in Colorado uh, to begin moving towards the Midwest to work into affordable housing in the Midwest. And there are some uh, uh, Motion Picture Studios that are heading in that direction. And then, as I mentioned, we are opening an office in Madrid uh, to attack the EU and, uh, and start to create an international presence for Relativity Architects. I would love it that in the next five years, uh, Relativity has three to four offices worldwide, more even, but I'll limit it at that just as a hope, and uh, and projects internationally that uh, put us in the market for uh, much larger and more consequential projects. The, the 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 one of the things we have been moving forward on in our firm is to push creatively. We have been got our, we've been known as a firm that gets things built, and we do good design. But I would like to push design excellence. I want to push design that that um, that that puts us on the front page of a magazine for the way something looks, as much as the ability to build it. Sort of a backwards way of Zaha Hadid in in a fashion. Yeah, yeah, Tima, thank you so much for your uh, uh, time. This was a wonderful uh, con con conversation. I I wish you well and uh, have a great rest of the week. Thank you. Totally appreciate it. Thank you so much. That was another episode of the Real Perspectives podcast, and we thank you for taking the time to listen to it. Conversations like these help us comprehend our evolving industry better and hopefully provide a perspective that helps you understand the dynamics of commercial real estate. 
If you like this episode, please subscribe to our show and tell your colleagues about it. That is the best way to spread the news and help us remain relevant across the industry. Cheers. Cheers.